Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. Uh, it is Saturday, June 24th, 6.42 p.m. 2023. And I am walking on the Beltline. The West Side Beltline of Atlanta, to be precise, for the first time in my life. Which is crazy, because I'm, you know, <laughs> born in Atlanta, well, you know, south of Atlanta. Um, raised here pretty much all my life, and I've never walked the Beltline. <laughs> Just like last week, one of my friends, uh, or somebody I used to know back in Year Up um, program, I went for my internship and stuff like that. I met up with them last year, or goodness, last week, and it's been years since I talked to them. And they, you know, they wanted to meet up over on the Beltline on the east side. So... We met up there, walked the Beltline over there a little bit, and I was like, wow, this is actually a pretty cool experience. And it <laughs> it just dawned on me. I was like, man, this is kind of ridiculous. I've never freaking walked the Beltline, uh, which is a pretty famous element of Atlanta. And it's something I actually really support. Like, they're building, well, there's, there's elements of it that's problematic, like the gentrification. I hate that. But I love the fact that Atlanta, in some part, even though it's, it has not been implemented very well um, across the area, but nonetheless, they are making an effort to make the city more walkable. All right, so the Beltline, for those that don't know, um, dates all the way back to the olden days of old Atlanta, um, when the whole of America was you know, being built by railroads. Um, and I'm, this, this history might not 100%, 100% be accurate. <laughs> this is just what I recall from just living here but anyways um yeah you know atlanta used to be one of the depot centers of the south of really the entire america because it was like a central area for the railroads um in the southeast region and um even dating back to the slaves and whatnot it got pretty crazy of course because you know they, they wanted to export all the cotton that's that's being <laughs> picked <laughs> among among other things um and it was a crucial element of the war, the Civil War, in which, you know, a lot of it was burnt down. A lot of the city was burnt down, which, you know, was a big hit to the Confederates since it was a major... There, was a, there, were, there were a lot of major, you know, points to this area. A lot of uh, manufacturing and economic kind of strongholds around here. So, yeah, the Beltline was, a, was like a, a big railroad that circled Atlanta. Um, and had like little spokes that went out into the, the countryside. And that's how many of the cities that are now suburb, that are now, um, you know, greater Atlanta area, if you want to call it that, got built up. So it's uh, really fascinating to see it now where, unfortunately, there's like very, our, our rail system is horrible. Um, and this rail is only ever used for uh, manufacturing for like freight trains and things like that and even even then it's completely new types of rail like it's they don't use this rail um these rail lines anymore so that's uh very unfortunate but um nonetheless it's really cool to see them try to bring it back to uh try and make it a uh, you know part of the city again and there are a lot of really this is, i'm looking at it now there's a lot of cool art around um, a lot of folks out well not on this side this side is pretty tame um, but uh, it's 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 really awesome 
So I figured, you know, I have some spare time today. Just dropped off my partner at a little event she was going to. Um, and I didn't really have anything else planned. <laughs> um, I was thinking about hanging out with some folks, but that didn't pan out. So I said, might as well walk the belt line, do a little podcast and things like that if I feel called to it. And as soon as I set foot on here, I felt called to it. <laughs> my mind, my, my my soul, my spirit was like, yeah, let, let, let's talk about it. Let's Let's share this experience out. So here I am. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to just open my mouth and see what comes out. As usual, really, <laughs> with this podcast, but um, even more so today. Um, but yeah, as I'm just looking around, some thoughts that come to mind is, is both both like hope and frustration, right? Hope in terms of like the fact, once again, it's awesome to see them doing something with this space, Right? Uh, making the city more walkable is truly fantastic. And I'm just, there's just so much art, <laughs> right? Like on the backs of these buildings, people have created like also like every, it goes everywhere from, you know, some, some like urban, you know, people want to call it, uh, uh, um, you know, what do you call it? Vandalism and stuff like that. But it's obviously not vandalism here. And if, even if it was, I, I personally don't really count it as that, but cause it's always like just good looking art, right? that um that type of art style stuff like that it looks, just looks really good and right next to it there's like a um a portrait of like some some scientists people of different colors different genders things like that <laughs> um and the i guess this is probably a company car car carbis carbis i don't know um and then there's some other like little porches and things like that some kid martin luther king you know it's just all melding together in, in a really fascinating way um and then on the other side, you got some wildflowers growing, or really on both sides of the of this area, you got some wildflowers growing out. I don't know what type of flowers these are. Kind of tallish. They come up to my like my my almost my chest. It's pretty freaking high. I mean, I'm not that that tall, but <laughs> still, it comes up to almost my chest. These flowers, um, really beautiful. Um, a bunch of other stuff going out here. Probably that might be. I don't think that's corn. I don't know. There's, there's like a lot of stuff that grows in Atlanta, surprisingly so. But yeah, it's just it's just really nice. There's not many people out right now, but I see a few people riding their bikes and jogging and stuff like that. Um, yet more art and coming up on. But yeah, that's the hope side, right? Like it's it's amazing to see all this, see the art, see the see the vegetation, see the walkability, um, see the different types of people, the diversity, and all that stuff, man. It's it's, it's truly fantastic, really beautiful to see. <laughs> but of course. The frustrating side of it is gentrification, <laughs> right? Is the fact that a lot of these areas are not being built to help the local community, right? And by local, I mean the people who have been here for decades, right? Typically, you know, poor folks or, you know, just pe people struggling um, to, to make a living out here, right? You, you see this stuff like Black, Future Mat Black Futures Matter, which is beautiful. But this is on the back of a freaking uh, brewing company, right? Like uh, a big old brewing warehouse. And I know for a fact that literally right down the street, there are people struggling right now to have a home. There is a whole area where people are just like, people just kind of squat in like these abandoned houses. <laughs> and there's like old people that are struggling to, you know, fix up their their houses that are being dilapidated and there are these big ass freaking 
real estate agents coming in trying to vulture up the area and buy all this 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 property and kick the the the, the people out there that have been living there for decades doing nothing like doing nothing bad they're just living like regular people but they're they're treated like trash oftentimes right um so it's it's really unfortunate to see that and uh yeah that's that's the frustrating side right like all this stuff is so amazing but at the same time you have to wonder what can we do better what 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 how can we make this more communal right how can we make you know the the obviously middle to upper class people who are sitting sitting in this freaking brewery patio you know think and care about the fact that this is the same community where people are struggling to have a home right to eat, eat on a regular basis right like how can we match them together how can we show oh there's people that need your help and this is what you can do right so um a little ways up here too as i uh, as i was driving on my way here there's just this whole street right next to the train and the only train we have right there, the um met the um marta um but there's a whole street of like abandoned buildings and i'm talking big buildings like old manufacturing plants and stuff like that a whole street of them just 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 there <laughs> just just dilapidated right and then right behind those streets is this, this area that i usually work at or not work at but like with the cmb the community group that i'm part of it's, that's where they're based in pittsburgh right and there's a lot, a lot of areas there you know adair park and grant park and all this other stuff but pittsburgh is the main area um that community that 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 advocacy group centers in but yeah all of those places are struggling man and i mean struggling so it's it's just so unfortunate like like all this money being spent <laughs> to you know grow this area is not being spent to help those people and it's not like it's mutually exclusive right because all the time they talk about the fact that all you really have to do is allow mixed mixed uh, zoning right where you can build um things like little grocery stores little farmland and right on top of uh you know a little like middle middle housing where people can live there little shops little mom and pop shops so people can you know um, start a business and, and work there at the same time and it wouldn't really be difficult to do that sort of thing but the only thing that stops that is these 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 private interests um and these folks be like oh no you have to do this specific type of zoning right you can only build a, another manufacturing plant here or something like that like <laughs> nobody needs that right now that's why these buildings have sat abandoned for for years for decades even right so it's it's like just open that land up man like <laughs> all this stuff that people are planting along the belt line you could plant even more in these abandoned uh plots and then let people learn how to garden let people know how to learn how to you know raise some chickens or something right? <laughs> like i was talking about in the, the the farm from the other day right and let people get some of that food that lives there in that community free of charge they just they could just <laughs> it basically goes back to subsistence farming right so people can learn how to farm and get their food at the same time and then with all the extras people can open open up a little business and they can trade or sell that with um the wider community right so you build that local economy right there 
And we know this works because people do it all over the freaking world. People have done it all, all throughout history. But the only reason it's not done is due to these, you know, really, honestly, um, manipulative and quite selfish, you know, folks. It's like these people have plans, decade-long plans of keeping this area uh, bad, right? Like not developing the area, having these abandoned properties that... Um, that nothing can you you can't do anything there so it's kind of like a waste and it lowers property value and then when the people who can buy a bunch of property come in they come in and buy it at those those those, those prices build up some stuff you know uh, whether it be a, a business like a Starbucks or a <laughs> or a freaking another brewing company right or even like a just a million dollar house or something like that Right? They build it up in these areas and then sell it to, <laughs> to richer folks, pushing those other people out because that raises the property values. Um, and you, even though you think that might be good, what it actually does is it raises the taxes on those areas. And rich people, they, they can afford those taxes, but like an old 60, 70, 80, 90-year-old grandmother who's been living there for decades, only living off of you know, a, a few dollars for their Social Security or whatever, can't afford you know, to, to raise those taxes. All right? And this is their playbook. It's not even like a conspiracy. Like you can literally <laughs> see it happening all over the city. Time, and I bet you there's some documentation about it because I know there's some presentations about. Oh, this is how you uh, plan to increase an area over decades, right? Like, <laughs> this is not. This is not even hidden. It's out in the open. But because people are focused on, you know, their problems or just trying to survive. Or just trying to, you know, enjoy life, which is understandable, sure. But because of that, and because of the lack of community, there's little to no actual, you know, care about what's actually happening to these communities. And because of that lack of empathy, right, when this happens to these poorer folks, to these uh, usually black folks, people think that's it. But no, what they don't realize is that the rich people don't care what color you are. Right? Obviously, they are racist. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of these rich folks, they only care about their moneyed interests. Right? And so <laughs> the minute they want to do it all again, they'll do it all again. <laughs> all right? um, no matter what color you are. So it's happen it will happen again to uh, the white, white people that are working there that are, you know, more, that are not as, as wealthy. It will happen to, you know, whether it be some Indians working over there, some Asians, some... You know, Hispanic folks over there. It doesn't matter what, what color you are. You know, this the cycle will just happen again. So, it's just, you know, very frustrating to see all this happening. But um, I have hope too, of course, that we can do something about it. That by sharing this awareness of what's going on, by showing people what's possible, right? giving people visuals of what a better future can look like, what a better community can look like, how to, how to live that community and then how to build it, and then giving people the tools to build the, their communities themselves and not depend on some you know, private interests or some government agencies, just build it themselves. I think that will go a long, long, long way in you know, actively solving these problems. So yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it there. Um, Somebody texted me, so I'm going to pause this real quick. I might have some more thoughts when I get back. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> so, 
So some uh, other things that came to mind as I'm looking at this, seeing some more art structures and seeing more greenery and stuff like that is like, I'm wondering like how, how much of this can be rewilded. Like there's uh, so much abandoned. I'm literally looking at another big ass warehouse on the hill that's abandoned. Um, another one on the other side, next, right next to some houses and stuff like that. Um, but what came to mind too is like thinking back to that farm I was at, like it was it was so beautiful and so inspiring and, and humbling to see all those animals out there, right? To see like the chickens right next to the donkeys and <laughs> some of the, the 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 ducks out there, the geese and stuff like that, um, the horses and stuff. Like that. So I'm, I'm just wondering, how can we create areas, safe spaces, and you know green corridors? in our cities that lead out to these you know wild areas and lead out to farms or something like that where you can have you know more nature come in more i don't actually i don't say it like that but like more um different types of animals more more ecological diversity right like i'm just thinking how awesome it would be to be walking this trail and see deer out see some rabbits and stuff like that you know you see a you see a few squirrels, but that's about it, <laughs> right? Um, so it'd be really awesome to see like some deers out here, some chickens and things like that, just just minding their own business. <laughs> um, and I know like some of these aren't like chickens aren't really native to the area, but you know you can have a. I mean, chickens nowadays are not really native to anything these days because they're so freaking. Um, modified <laughs> basically genetically modified even though the term is more like um, what do you call it goodness I forget the term but like bread right like like the bread right lived that way from generations um, maybe even millennia of like humans just trying to you know make them to what they are today <laughs> uh, but nonetheless is another huge ass warehouse like this is probably like a football field in size almost two football fields in size and there's like you know some vegetation all over it and it looks it looks kind of kind of nice in a way like it's almost like a solo punk kind of you know the vegetation reclaiming the buildings um and that's cool and all but like i'm going to speed the process up a little bit right like we can clear out that building and maybe keep some of the walls just just for aesthetics but clear out the building of the interior and just just let like nature really take its course just have an entire space in there for um vegetation and for animals and things like that um so basically having like more urban uh reservations right or preservations i should say preserves where you know these different animals and plants and stuff like that can have a fighting chance um, I think that would be really cool to see that in this area because it, it helps people to be more in tune with nature, to see what's possible, to be more involved and, you know, kind of the environment reclaiming certain things and making making things more livable, more ecologically stable and stuff like that. But um, I know that's a little bit of a process and that's a that's a tall, tall ask for many of these places that want to be like, oh, we need to turn this into something that makes money or something like that. But, you know, <laughs> a lot of this stuff is just sitting abandoned anyway. So, <laughs> And nowadays with, you could probably even sell something 
like that off as like a carbon capture <laughs> type of type of thing like oh yeah rewilding is, is carbon capture so so let us buy this land or, or keep this land open as a preserve or something like that right and that way you can be like oh yeah so if you want if you care if you're whatever if you want to pretend that you care then let us do let us leave this land open uh for 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 these rewilding projects um and i know it's not so simple like it's not going to be as simple as that um in terms of solving climate change per se but i think it's a, it's a step in the right direction and it just serves many many purposes besides just um climate change which is a huge one but <laughs> Uh, it, I think it, it's it's a it could be a very powerful thing for a lot of people to see. But yeah, I see this really tall tree. I don't know what kind of tree this is. I've never seen nothing like it. Like it has super short shrubs, but it's quite tall. Like it's as tall as one of these other like pine trees almost. But it has super short shrub. Like it almost like a bush. It's weird. I, I have never seen that tree before. It's wild. And I go to like a lot of nature preserves and, and things like that. I don't know if they have any, uh, I don't see any signs around here. And that's another thing, right? Like, I love that we have all these plants out here, but something I really like from some of these trails I've been on is where they actually identify, you know, what's in the area, what's local to the area, so you can learn, you know, more about the environment. And I think that's, that'd be really cool to do here too, especially with all these people walking back and forth and all these interesting fauna and things like that or flora i should say again it's not much fauna <laughs> um but yeah let me take a picture of this one quick one sec so this is interesting in some of these areas it looks like they have like they have like wi-fi out here <laughs> uh, which is pretty cool actually uh, just supplying oh i found it i found a thing for the uh for the nature so if you got blueberries service berries never heard of that Cherries, berries, black walnut, persimmons, pecans, pawpaw. I don't know what that is. Pawpaw is a large edible native fruit in North America. It tastes like something out of a tropical jungle. It can be found growing in the rich soils of our forest. Wow. I've never heard of that. I gotta check that out. Okay. So we got one of these little signs here. It still didn't explain what that what the hell those tall trees were, but um that's cool but yeah seems like they have you can probably hear like people walk around with, like music and stuff in the background it's pretty funny um but yeah like the they have wi-fi out here in some of these areas which is pretty interesting because again a lot of people don't have like internet access or steady access stuff like that and it's interesting to see that going along on the path um i'm sure you can make the argument that Oh, you shouldn't be focused on going on your phone while you're walking outside. But you know, people want to do what they what they what they do. So it's, it's, I think it's cool. Um, but you have these. This is area. It's not quite a bridge, but like this, they have this fencing up. Nice looking fence. Like a. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a name for this type of fence, but I don't know. It's like a little metal fence, um, and they have like these pictures on it of people. I don't know if it's like people that passed. I think probably so. Yeah. A lot of black food people. I wonder if these people got killed by cops, unfortunately. But probably. City Hall, mass mobilization, stuff like that. Yeah, stop cop city. Yep. Yes, sir. See, that's another thing. 
And it was talking about that earlier. So earlier today, I went to a black radical kind of conference. And it was really fantastic. I, only, I was only there for like an hour or two, unfortunately. Had a lot of stuff to do today. But it was great to hear, you know, these different, um, not sides, but like perspectives on the the people's progress or people's efforts to, you know, live in this, uh, under the empire of America, essentially, right? Live in this kind of racist country where black folks have been getting shot up and <laughs> um, harassed for a long time and the efforts to build a sort of, you know, black autonomous, you know, space. And um, they had folks there, there's somebody there that was from the Black Liberation Army back in the day. And it was really, really great to hear his experience of like, you know, what it takes to really build a community where people are doing more to care for each other, right? Where, where if somebody's being uh, jailed as a political, um, what do they call it, political enemy type of thing, uh, which they did to like folks like Assad Shakur and stuff like that, um, that the community is going to have their back. Right, the community is gonna support their family and do and things like that. Do it, do it, do it, what they can to like help them out, and that was really cool. But something that he talked about is the fact that, especially here in Atlanta, is one of the most policed. Oh, appreciate it. <laughs> I have these uh purple shoes out. People have been complimenting my shoes all day. I love them too. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's definitely like. Atlanta especially has some some of the the most policing out in in, in America, and it's really crazy because, like I said, there's so many areas of like abandoned properties and struggling communities and things like that, and even in rich areas, there's a huge amount of police presence, and you have this narrative that oh, you need more police to cut down on crime, but even though we've had more and more police and police funding over the years, really the decades. The there has not been a decline in crime, <laughs> right? It's not correlated. And if anything, there's been more crime, but of course, it's legalized crime. It's you know, police being able to get away with just <laughs> harassing and even killing black people and other people too, right? Like, it's not just black folks that's being targeted, but of course, black folks are targeted more so. But, um, the fact that you know, we have all this police presence and yet very little to no community, you know, support in a lot of these, these, these different areas is, is so freaking tragic and, and anger inducing, really. The fact that <laughs> with this Cop City thing, too, not only are they trying to push this narrative that, oh, we need to train our police better. <laughs> Even though they're not, it's not like they're training them to be more empathetic. They're not training them to, you know, de-escalate. They're not training them to, you know, um, uh, employ counselors or anything like that. No, they're training them. They want to build a, essentially a military <laughs> base, right? A military training area with, with tactical shooting and bomb <laughs> practice and things like that, right? Like, yes, bomb practice in the city, right next to urban environments and a freaking nature preserve right like it's 
just truly atrocious <laughs> that they really trying to sell this off as, oh, yeah, we're just trying to train our police to take care of the community better. Like, what kind of bullshit is that, man? And it's, it's so terrible. Like, they, they're trying to take down one of Atlanta's, um, and I'm talking when I say Atlanta, I mean, like, the inner city Atlanta, too. Not just the, the outer air, but, like, the inner city Atlanta, one of the last remaining um, natural ecosystems, right? The, the Wallawani Park, right? The, uh, that dates back to the indigenous people that live there hundreds of years ago, right? This is the la- one of the last remaining areas of old growth forests in the inner city of Atlanta. And they're trying to cut it down for a goddamn military police training facility. Like, what kind of... That's the, that's the depravity I'm talking about here with, like... I, and, I, yes, I do count that as gentrification, too, right? Because you know damn well what they're going to do with that is, you know, that's going to drive property values down in that entire area, right? Because the people living there are going to hear bombs going off and guns shooting as they're practicing shooting up buses and things like that, school buses. And, yes, I do mean school buses. That was literally on their marketing <laughs> for the training facility. They put a school bus out there like oh yeah we're gonna train you know how to go through a, <laughs> a school bus and if there's a case of school shootings or whatever like <laughs> what <laughs> it's it's really wild man but anyways yeah it's so they have all these plans to to um build that facility there they're building they bring over freaking paramilitary um folks from israel to teach them these things <laughs> and again, all the while, the people that live there have voted time and again to not build this up, to not do this, to not cut down the forest and all that other stuff. And yet they're claiming that, oh, nobody comes out, even though they've been putting on events for the past year, maybe even more of town halls. And it's been flooded with people coming out and she's like, no, don't do this. Um and this you may have heard in the news actually of like you know um the quote-unquote leftist radicals coming over you know the anarchists and old scary people coming over and the terrorists and things like that eco-terrorists and stuff like that but literally i've been there i've talked about this on my podcast several times i've been there several times you know who those people are fucking tree huggers (laughs) and i don't say that pejoratively i mean like these like these people are walking around in the forest just chilling without shoes or just learning how to garden building tree houses i ain't spot no gun there you know <laughs> i i didn't spot any sort of you know um violent activity or anything like that these people are like literally you know playing ukuleles in the woods like it's <laughs> i've been there several times when i tell you these are the most you know peaceful people <laughs> like it's it's really crazy um and, it, and sure, when when they're, they they have done like wider things where they brought more people in from around the nation, even around the world, to come through and support. And maybe and yeah, you can make the argument that maybe there's been some radical people that you know some violent folks that came through on these occasions, but the, that's far and less the the minority. Not not even the minority, it's like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, right? It's not at all representative. And the people they killed. And arrested are the people I know like have been just sitting in trees, right? Like the whole report of them, you know, of, of that um, 
Tortuga or who they said was shooting at the police, you know, when they actually did the autopsy, they showed that he was killed. He, he was shot like 17, 18 times or even more than that, maybe with his hands up. Right. And he had no gun residue on his hands to imply that he was ever shooting a gun. In fact, they even had um, records or they at first they wouldn't release the, the freaking police camera um, body cam footage. And I think there was a leak where somebody uh, maybe this is unsubstantiated, but I've heard a lot from a lot of different sources that say, you know, um, the cops were actually saying they, they shot themselves and then try to blame it on this this kid. So, yeah, like there's just so much grimy shit happening over there um, over here, really, because it's like I'm walking the belt line now. And I, if I keep walking, I'll probably get there. <laughs> it's a little bit far to walk. So I'm not going to do that today, but um, Atlanta is a pretty small place and all these things are inter- intertwined, right? So what goes on in, in that area, if they do pass this off, that militarized area is going to end up um, pushing all the people that lived in that area out. And they're going to almost certainly commercialize the area, maybe build some more, you know, build it, uh, some more like little factories and things like that. And what's crazy too is like the area, the um, Atlanta Police Foundation, which is doing the much of this building, much of this uh, cop farming bullshit, <laughs> is funded by many of the big corporations that are centered here in Atlanta. You know, Chick-fil-A and uh, AT&T and all them folks, right? Like these big companies are the ones that are funding this, this, this uh, effort. And... It's it's just disgusting, man. It's, it really is. It really is. Because, again, this area is can be... It's so beautiful. I'm right here. I'm looking at some beautiful freaking... What are these? Daisies or something like that? These yellow flowers? I don't know if those are daisies. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so terrible <laughs> actually identifying things, even though I love nature. Um, but, yeah, like, it's just so much beautiful um, nature. So much beautiful stuff we can be putting out here instead. We can be supporting and stuff like that. So to see, you know, these efforts to to just destroy is really turning my stomach. <sighs> but on to better things, you know. This is why we fight, you know, this is why we try to do what we can to fight back and to not just sit back and just be like, oh, there's nothing I can do. There is something you can do, right? <laughs> like just being aware of what's happening and not taking the... The, the stuff at face value when you hear in the news oh they arrested some eco-terrorists go see who those people are go up to the jails if you can right because there's so many political jail like the fact that they arrested people who are living in the forest and called them eco-terrorists right and in addition to that there's i know <laughs> i say on the better things but there's just so much about what's going on in atlanta right now right like they they just raided and, and arrested uh, an organization known as the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. And what they would do was, you know, get donations from people and use that to um, bail people out of jail who were wrongly jailed or otherwise just don't have the money to get out. Because what people don't realize is that a lot of times you can be jailed be- without a trial, essentially, Right. Because they put you in a holding cell or something like that, right? Where you have to um, be out on, on bail. So if you don't have that bail, 
you can't get out of that holding cell. Even though you're not technically um, charged with anything or maybe or you're not technically you know, on trial or anything like that, like you haven't actually been through the whole justice system, but that's like a technicality they use to keep a lot of people locked up for no good reason, just because they're poor, just because they don't have access to certain resources. So the Atlanta Solidarity Fund was was a, a, a huge help in that, where all the people who are, you know, trying to act, <laughs> trying to be activists, trying to help out this, these, these areas and spread awareness and all this other stuff and stop them from destroying this, this beautiful forest. And many other, it's, it's used for many other types of, you know, um, folks as well, not just the, the forest folks. But... Yeah, this Atlanta Solidarity Fund, they were brought up on freaking RICO charges. <laughs> Talking about they were they were they were uh um laundering money or some bullshit. Like it's it's wild, man. It's really wild what they're doing. So yeah, you probably heard that something like that on the news or some something about these eco terrorists or something like that. But if you just actually you can you can still probably I think walk over to the forest. Like you can still talk to the people in the community. To this day, and see for yourself, <laughs> um, and you'll see that these these aren't no some some you know crazy folks or you know just out here just shooting up people. Um, they're just trying to protect <laughs> what we all should be protecting, and it's and it's really unfortunate. Um, and I understand, like again, people are just trying to survive, right? People have their own issues and things like that, and that's completely understandable. Like I'm the same way. You know, I, I, I'm not nearly as involved in any of this as I would like to, precisely because I have so much other things going on with my life. Like I have my own bills to pay, my own people to to help out, and all this other stuff. I'm not saying you got to drop everything and, and and run to do this, but you know, just keeping your neck above the water, right? Like just not putting your head in the sand, it actually goes a long way. Because nine times out of ten, you've heard conversations around. If not this, then something else in which some state propaganda is out there saying, oh, this is what people are doing. Oh, we're, we're arresting people so that we can you know, keep them safe or we're building this facility so that we can keep you safe or we're doing this other thing to keep you safe or to make money or to do this, whatever. But if you actually, you know, did a little bit of research, just a, just a little bit, you know, just, you know, talk to the people in the community or anything like that, you will quickly see <laughs> that this is just a facade. And usually a poorly crafted one too. Like, don't get me wrong. There's some really dastardly stuff out there, like this astral turfing, um, which I've recently learned about, where they literally invent grassroots movements um, around things like lobbying against walkability, <laughs> where people are like, "Oh, we don't want sidewalks. We want more highways." Like they literally, you know, invent fucking made up Facebook groups and stuff like that to advocate for this sort of thing and lobby for this sort of thing. Don't get me wrong. That's some, there's some dastardly stuff like that. But a lot of this stuff, even and even with that, that's like if you just look at it, you're like, oh, actually, this is kind of weird. But yeah, like a lot of this stuff is, the, the veil is not very thick. <laughs> All right. So it's, a lot of this stuff is a thin veil and you can easily see what's going on if you just looked. <laughs> Right? If you just didn't put your head in the sand. And so when you hear people talking about it, then you can be like, hey, actually, no, that's not what's happening. Right. Like I've heard in my job, people are like, oh, um, see, like they know me as a as a the guy that's in these groups. Like, even though, again, I'm not super involved. Right. I, I'm really not. 
But a lot of people in my job, when they hear anything about the force or anything Stop Cop City, they're like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, hey, this is what's going on, all right? So they're not passing around some stupid wrong information, right? Like that's something as simple as that can actually go a long way because, you know, there might be some other people who do have time and resources to help out. Like there's folks at my job who are like, oh, actually, that's kind of crazy. Let me see what I can do to help. I'm like, cool, this is who you can talk to, all right? So that sort of thing is what I mean, like just not putting your head in the sand, just being open to, you know, um, helping, <laughs> providing a helping hand, you know, trying to build a little bit of community. That, that sort of thing goes a, a very long way. <sighs> yeah, I might have to head back though. Now, let me see what time is it. It is 7.30, about 30 minutes. Well, it's 40 minutes. So maybe it took me about 30 minutes to, get, to walk this far. So I guess I'll head back, you know. Um, let me look at my map to see how far, what's around that corner. And I'll uh, see if there, anything else comes to mind. Oh, wow. So it looks like I'm almost at the end, um, at least of this side of the belt line. So, again, this is like a developing thing, and they haven't built out the whole belt line. They have, like, connected everything. Um, so it looks like I'm nearing the end. I'm, I'm going to go to the end then. I'm going to just see what it looks like out here. It probably just ends very abruptly because <laughs> I know there's a highway right there. Um, so I'm wondering what they're going to do over there. But, uh, yeah, like, it's really interesting to see all this out here. Um, again, it's just more land, more land out here where it's just, just nothing is happening. And, um, I find that really, uh, really crazy because you swear if you hear how the way people be talking out here, there's like, there's no, you always say like, there's no land to do more housing or to do this, that, and the other. They're out, they're over there. Like I live all the way down to McDonough, which is like 40 about a 40-minute drive south of, of the main city. Um, and they're, they're, they've destroyed a huge amount of land out here that, that was just forest. Because that used to be, like, just rural area. Like, where I lived used to be straight rural, like, not 20 years ago when my parents, uh, well, 30 years ago at this point, when my parents first got down here. Um, even before, further up, like, in that, the area where I used to live in Clayton County, most of, most of that you know, when my parents were young, were, were um, was like forced, <laughs> but now it's like, I'm not gonna say densely populated, but like it's it's urban, you know, suburban. It's a suburban area. Um, there's like not much forest left. There's like a nature preserve there. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of trees. Like when you, if you ever been to Atlanta, you know what I mean. Like there's trees everywhere. Right? It's not. It's not like a New York City where, <laughs> you know, it's all paved everywhere. Like, no, they're wrong. This is a lot of trees. But there's not like, it's not like a forest, right? Like, it's not like, you know, a whole bunch of wild area. You have to go an hour out of the city, you know, for that. Um, and even then, once again, you have these suburban enclaves where they've just bulldoze a bunch of trees to build a fucking suburb and this is what kills me right here right like when i went to the farm um, out in villa rica which again is an hour from the city uh like five minutes away from that farm and then i say five minutes because like the, the the road to get to that farm was like freaking took like three to five minutes to to, to get out of that road but um 
and it was an unpaved road. But beyond that, like those fucking sub suburbs, like I'm talking suburbs where you can see inside somebody's house, <laughs> inside your neighbor's house, right? Like it's it's such a lack of of space. Like there's, there's no yardage, um, you know these little McMansions, um, and it, it was just so weird and so disturbing to see a suburb right next to a farm essentially right almost right next to a farm like what's the point of living an hour outside the city to live in a suburb where you have no land <laughs> right like as a, as a person who who for a long time I was like oh yeah I would I, I don't want to live out in a rural area like I like living in a city area where you can go out and have all sorts of types of people and food and all that stuff like I love that but if I were to go out in the, in the rural area it would, because I, it would be because I want land right to, to make farms to build things um, to like build like I want to I want to like build an entire neighborhood not like a suburb <laughs> but like a like a rural rural-ish area like on, a, on like 25 acres of land where everybody in my family or my friend group can have their own little house or whatever anywhere they want on the land right and we can have like a little commune almost right i think that would be super cool and that's why I, I why i would get a bunch of land that's why i would move out to a rural area but these people for some reason have decided to move an hour from the city just to live in another suburb <laughs> like i don't understand Right, and to do that, they've had to cut down a bunch of forests. Right, they had to cut down on all this stuff, and they, that's what they're doing out in my neighborhood. Not my, well, pretty much right next to my neighborhood. They've they've cut down a ton of trees just to build more suburbs, and it, it's just so sickening because I'm like. <laughs> Literally right here in the city, I've just passed five, six abandoned warehouses where you can have a whole bunch of of these places. You can have a whole bunch of apartment buildings and mid 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 rise areas, maybe even high rises if you really want to go that far. But like, yeah, it does end here. Looks like it goes under a bridge and it's like unpaved. One second, one second. Let me look at my map. So I know that was a tangent, but yeah, like it looks like it does actually continue under the bridge, but like unpaved. And there's there's like a dotted line that picks up a, a ways like a mile or two down. So it probably does continue in a in an unpaved way, which is pretty cool. Um but yeah, it goes under the highway too, so it's very, very loud over there. <laughs> um but yeah, anyways, what I was saying, I'm just passing all this abandoned property and all these goddamn breweries out here. <laughs> I'm just like, you could really just use this land for more housing or for, you know, some some um, actual local stores. And that's another thing that really bothers me about Atlanta, too, is like if you live anywhere outside the city, you're not really going to have a good choice of stores. Right. There's like going to be like a Walmart, a Kroger, maybe a Publix, you know, a Dollar General, <laughs> a Dollar Tree, um, Family Dollar. And that's about it, you know. Then, then you have some smaller stores, like you might have a little, uh, like like little restaurants, like little chain restaurants, you know, here and there. And if you get real lucky, you find like a little mom and pop 
shop or or mom and pop restaurant type of thing right like it's like this family built this 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 place <laughs> right um but that's very rare like usually you're going to find some sort of chain restaurant of some sort um but uh and none of that is going to be within walking distance because again there's just suburbs and in order to get you know if you want to go out and get some milk <laughs> you have to get in the car and drive five ten minutes to your local grocery store and you know there's going to be some traffic there there's going to be you know try to fight for parking <laughs> it's going to be you know um stoplights and accidents and bullshit <laughs> you know like it's not it's not like some desirable place to live right but because people have been bought and sold this idea that this is what success looks like or this is what life looks like right not even success because a lot of people don't really like it but this is what life looks like like this is how we live then people just accept it right people just assume that this is how we have to live and we really don't we really should not right with all this land out here like you can literally build a little community where people are living in these little houses and I say little because you really don't need a big house if most of the stuff that you enjoy from a big house right a good kitchen you know some uh, food storage you know storage from other types of things like your 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 um what you, I was gonna say fabric like your blankets and all, you know all that stuff right um different bedrooms for entertainment or different rooms for entertainment and things like different types of entertainment. People have like a gaming room and a, a, a family room or a library, whatever, whatever you can imagine, right? A big yard for gardening, for your dog, for your kids. All that, all that can be had in a communal environment, right? Where you can pull food together, you can pull the the resources together for that area. You can share, you know, the the hardware, the, like the tools. If you want to do a little project where you build some sort of thing, right? Instead of you having to go to freaking Lowe's or Home Depot and buy your own tools that you're only going to use once a year <laughs> you could just borrow your neighbor's tools um, and a lot of people do do that right but not enough people do that because not enough people have friends <laughs> that they can borrow these sorts of things from right? so they think they have to go buy it and then they just sits in the garage that they barely use like they fill up with junk <laughs> in these, these yards that they have to spend a huge amount of money and pesticides to keep green, right? And mow the lawn and keep all the insects off, and that destroys the ecosystem even more. So now things like lightning bugs, like 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 ladybugs and butterflies and bees and stuff like that, that we all enjoy to see. And even if you don't like don't like bees, for instance, it's bumblebees, those cute little fuzzy ones I'm talking about, not just the, the scary hornets or something like that, but. Even like again, to think back to the butterflies or lightning bugs or what, what fireflies that's another word for lightning bugs. Um, and you, I actually did grow up saying fireflies, I don't know why I just said lightning bugs, but <laughs> um, but yeah, these, these types of bugs that people like that's that's like nostalgic for people of my generation and older, these things are being extinct. Like, it's rare to see a whole bunch of fireflies, for instance, even here in Georgia where it's so green still. Right, but it's still it's rare because of the fucking yards, the people mowing their lawns and putting pesticides down everywhere. Right, and it's it's so sad. Like our kids are gonna grow up in a world where there's no fireflies, where when the sun is going down, they're not gonna see these magical, you know, wispy like 
you know, lights just lighting up in the yard and nothing like that, right? It's just going to see a sterile-ass <laughs> environment. And it's so... Anyways, what I was saying, you know, all this land that's out here can be used to build these little communities where you can pull food together, you can grow your yard and your garden in a natural way, right? Where instead of having pesticides to cut down on all the bugs, you can have different animals out there, right? Bunnies that freaking eat some of these um, weeds and th things like that that you don't want out there, or you know, even a donkey <laughs> that will eat some of these things up. Um, again, chickens, I'm, I'm staying on these donkeys and chickens because that just blew my mind. Like, <laughs> these donkeys were literally um, like, like, uh, alarm systems for predators and they were eating, you know, the grass up in a way that like kept it low. So it's not like it's overgrown or anything like that. And even there is, there's even still some space for that. Like on the size of the environment, you can have like overgrown areas so you can have a, a um, a proliferation of different types of things that can, that can grow. But yeah, you can have like these different types of animals, like living with you that are keeping these like these other insects or predators in check in a natural environment and because of that right you don't have to spend as much money to go and buy food or go and worry about pesticides or lawn care or anything else right all of that is already taken care of by just living in a communal environment all right and because you spend less money on all that stuff then you have more to to use on projects that actually matter to you right we can build these decentralized um power grids even that's what i would love to see and water systems that use like a local well there's so much water that's being wasted right now because a lot of it is used to just water lawns <laughs> that nobody actually needs or cares about um and not to mention for all the indoor plumbing, stuff like that, that's just wasting water a lot of times. So if you have like this indoor or this, this you know, local well water that the local community can use, then people can not only learn about how to better manage their water, but people learn how to respect it and, and really value that sort of thing. And if people are going low on it, then you can share with other people around the community, right? We can still have our amazing... <laughs> Um, you know, national or not really national, but like amazing infrastructure that gets water to people who need it. But you, you don't have to depend on that first. That could be like the backup, right? The backup system if people really need it. But the primary system would be people using local well water or local the local water table to get most of their needs met. Same thing for power, right? You can have this local power generation. And because you have less of a house we have all these electronics in, on the inside. Instead, you can have these local, you know, kind of zones for different types of things. And I don't mean like zoning, but I mean like in the local community, you have like a, a, a central kitchen, like a communal kitchen where people can cook together, right? And because of that, you, know, you spend less electricity and gas and all this other stuff on every single body having their own stove and, and all the other stuff. Um, and that will cut down on a lot of that power usage. So you don't, have, you, you don't need as much. Same thing for entertainment. Instead of everybody having their own TVs and game systems and all this other stuff inside the house, you can have communal entertainment areas, all right? 
where people can share a lot of these things together. People can have communal gaming and communal TV watching and stuff like that. And even if you don't want to do it with everybody, it's not like you have to do it with everybody all the time, right? You can have quiet times or you can have um, uh, little like cubbies in that around the area to where you know you can watch TV by yourself if you really want to or something like that, right? But you still have the option, right? You have the option to be social and again that will cut down on a lot of that power and, and, and a number of other things and of course they have the gardening aspect right not only in that communal area but in like these these corridors that connect different communities together right this is this is the difference between just living in a rural environment where you do have that communal area and living in an urban environment that's fractal where you have i might have to make a new section because i only have four minutes left in this section but um a, fr a fractal area, a fractal community, right? We have a small community in an urban environment that's very local, that's very centered on that, that inner community. But you have something like the Beltline where you can actually walk to another local community, right? And that way you can share resources. And between the two, you have like a green corridor where you have people, you have all these growing foods and, and other stuff just around. And that could be like extra stuff extra free food and extra resources that people can borrow or you know take as uh, you know as a as a deem fit and because it's so abundant there's going to be less waste because what people don't realize is that waste doesn't happen out of abundance it doesn't happen because you know there's too much out there it happens because people fear um you know a lack people fear scarcity so they hoard when there's, there's an environment of scarcity, people hoard more stuff. But of course, they can't use all that stuff for themselves. <laughs> so a lot of it goes to waste, right? This is why, what, 30%, if not 40% of our local food in America is wasted, all right? Because <laughs> a lot of it is hoarded in these big-ass warehouses and, and stores and things like that to, to give, the, give the illusion of abundance, but it's not true abundance because you can't just easily access that stuff. It's 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 privatized, it's commodified. And that really destroys people's understanding of what's available to them. So instead, if we have some true abundance where you can see things being grown, you can see your local you know, um, food and all this other stuff, then people will have a better idea of what's actually available. And people can realize that, oh, I don't, I don't need to hoard because this will be here tomorrow. So I just take what I want today, what I need today, and come back tomorrow and do it again, right? So you have less of that wastage. So I'm gonna make a new section. My mouth's a little dry, so I might take a little break from talking. But yeah, man, there's just so much stuff we can do. And as I look about here, I'm, I'm just, I know it's possible. Because it's already being done in little ways. But if we do it more intentionally, it can go so much further, so, so much further. All right, so I guess I'll bring this to a close by saying, you know, walk outside, touch grass. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even touched grass yet. Here we go. Touch a little grass here on the side. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, go see what's in your community. Or I should say, go see what's in your local area. Because unfortunately, I feel like 
it's not even feel like I know that most of us don't live in communities even though we might live in a neighborhood might live in a city or we might even live in a rural area but we don't live in a community and I say it because you don't if you don't know the people that's that you're living around and if you're not friends with them it's probably not a community right and that might be a little bit of hot top hot hot take I say, you know, because many of us might live in like close knit quote unquote communities or neighborhood where you grew up with everybody that lives there. You, you, you very much do know your neighbors and, you, you know, you've been to school with a lot of them or you work with them or, you know, you're in a church together and stuff like that. But I wager, I will go out to say that if you don't actually care about them on a, on a friend level, like if you, if you, if they're not people that you, you know, do things with that you enjoy being around I would say that it's not a community it's just a collection of people just a neighborhood and I think a big that's probably one of the biggest delusions that living in a nation state does to people right makes you think that you're living in a community that there is community around certain things or certain ideas or certain topics or certain um, physical spaces just because people are you know living together or people have a common um, concept or you know supposedly care about a common topic but if you don't like talk to those people every day and get to know them on a you know on a personal level if you don't really care about each other's goals if you don't really you know go out, go out of your way to help one another and to, you know, be supportive of one another and things like that. I don't see how that's a community. Because to me, a community is a space, an environment where you do these things, where you care about each other, where you say, hey, what's, you know, what's up? <laughs> you know, what you want to do today? You like hanging out. And you help each other on, the, on, on, you know, to achieve whatever you want to achieve in life. All right? It's not just people who happen to, by, con- by convenience or, you know, by circumstance, just ended up together. And yes, maybe that is how a lot of, you know, communities have started, right? Don't get me wrong. That's definitely how a lot of communities have started throughout all of human history. But that's not how communities were made or much less sustained, right? A lot of the best communities are places where people are like, you know, what? I don't want to stay here. I'm going to leave, <laughs> And then they go find a group of people who they like being around, right? I'd wager that a lot of the nomadic and migratory peoples throughout human history, you know, went to find people who they cared about. And they, that helped them to, to build, you know, whatever they wanted to build. To, to help them to establish... You know, to, to do the work to establish, like, conflict resolution or, you know, um, resource sharing or, you know, all these sorts of things. All of that is exceptionally, exponentially harder to do if you don't actually care about the people that you're living around. So, I would, you know, ask people, I would uh, challenge people, if you're listening to this, to try and develop your own communities. Right. Start by just observing who's around, like in the the 
conference today, they said, oh, a big part of the community is going around and knocking on your neighbor's door and, and getting to know them. And I think that's all well and good, definitely. But as a person who has forcibly had to live in different neighborhoods, you know, all throughout my life, that sort of thing is terrifying because I don't know if I'm going to be here next year, right? Like, all right, what's the point of getting to know people if, you know, I, I can move at a, a moment's notice? And maybe, you know, for extroverted people or for certain types of people, you know, they, they're willing to do that. But for me, it's, it's, it's really tough to do that sort of thing. So what I would like to do instead is, especially in today's 21st century, where you can, you know, have the internet and, and phones and all this other stuff, talk to people, get to know people, and wherever they live around the world, and build community that way. But don't just stop there, right? Don't just have like a little Discord community where you get to know people. No could be wrong, I think that's huge. Right? Like a real Discord community, not just some random Discord that you joined and you do some game nights or something like that, but um, like people that you really consider as friends, who you know a lot of their lives, they know yours, you feel comfortable being vulnerable to each other, you can help each other out in all sorts of circumstances and things like that. And even like the community I'm building is still not to that level. All right? Shout out to Zach and, and Jordan and the other folks in there. Like, it's still not to that level. All right? A big part of that is on me. <laughs> but a big part to that too is that like I also think that a big part of it is building it with the with the with intention, right? Where the different people there can again be vulnerable about what they want and what they're dealing with. And you can work together to do those sorts of things. And recently, really as of this year, I've gotten more and more onto the idea that you should build towards physical physicality too, right? Like I do think online is super powerful and really important, especially for folks like myself. But we are physical people. We, we live in material worlds. And it's really important to build material communities, all right? To build a physical space where you can do all those things that you would in a digital community. And that's what I'm building towards myself. Like I want to build a physical space where all my friends can come and live <laughs> and work together and we can do cool things together and we enjoy being in each other's company every single day. And yeah, maybe we might go on travel and do all this other stuff and move around, but they know that they always have a place to come back to. They know they always have a home base. And maybe even that, that community itself might move, right? Like it doesn't necessarily have to be tied to a specific geographic location. It could be just that we travel together or like even if we travel apart, we know that we can find each other again and we can come back to each other, right? I think having that physical space, wherever that may be, is really important, right? That's, that's human evolution essentially. And today, we have lost a lot of that. Even though we live together more than ever before, we are just settled peoples, or most of us live in the same space that we were born. So, and around more people than ever before. So we, we live in these spaces that give the shape and give the concept of, you know, a communal environment. And yet, 
Most of us feel more isolated than ever before. Most of us don't really have friends or don't have many friends. Most of us don't even have like, don't even get hugs. <laughs> right? I've been really on this thing where I'm like, I've been, I've been vulnerable to people. I'm like, yeah, I want a hug. <laughs> right? Like I'm a physical person. Even though sometimes I don't come off that way, I love hugs. I don't like hugs from random people. If I don't know you, don't touch me. <laughs> but for people I really like enjoy being around, yeah, I would love, I love to give hugs and I love to get hugs and things like that. Cuddles is great. But most of us don't get that. <laughs> All right? Most of us don't get that. And depending on the partner, on a significant other, on a, you know, a romantic partner to be your, your sole source of physical um, community is terrible. It's, it's not good. It's unsustainable. I wager that most people need physical affection from multiple people. <laughs> from their mom, their dad, their friends, and their partners, right? And that could take different forms, right? It could be a hug, it could be a kiss, it could be more intimate. It could be just hand-holding or even just eye contact, right? Even just sitting next to each other and sharing that physical warmth. <laughs> but I wager that most people need multiple sources of this from multiple people. And maybe even more often than they realize. And that's what I think we need to build more of. <sighs> so yeah. A lot of hope and frustration. And I see that I'm, that I'm getting as I walk through this area. And I hope that that frustration <laughs> can be used productively. That other people can walk through their neighborhoods and also feel the same hope and frustration. <laughs> I challenge you to go walk outside around your neighborhood. Go walk uh, your local parks, your local preserves. If you have something like the Beltline, walk, walk that. If you're comfortable and you're you know, able to, to do so, try to talk to people along the way. Right? And see what they think. See, see, you know, get to know them a little bit, or even just, you know, again, see what they think about, you know, these 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 ideas of living in areas where, you know, you're you have more community. But again, I'm not that type of person. So, <laughs> to me, just walking in these spaces is enough to have these sorts of ideas and thoughts. And um, I challenge you to do so as well and to think about how you can grow those spaces, how you can grow those sense of community, how you can grow those wild areas, how you can grow, you know, these walkable areas and things like that. And then see what you can actually do. All right, see what you can take action on whether that be just spreading awareness through writing or speaking or whatever or art right or if that's building things yourself or if that's going over to your local governance and be like hey let's let's do something here or even funding you know these these organizations 
or being more radical and just you know um, what do you call it urban farm guerrilla farming <laughs> right guerrilla wilding where you just throw some seeds out some native seeds mind you not some you know invasive species but like some native seeds to your environment and seeing what grows all right seeing what you can do to help people in the space and um, let's see what that goes but yeah I think that's gonna be it I'm approaching still got a little bit of a walk probably like another 10-15 minutes to get back to my car but um if I have more thoughts I'll probably say something but I, I'm thinking that's probably gonna be it so as always thanks for listening Thanks for thinking with me. Thanks for being with me today on this walk. (laughs) And um, have a great day. Have a great evening. Have a great week, weekend, and all that good stuff. Keep being awesome. Don't be afraid to be radical. Don't be afraid to be revolutionary. Don't be afraid to be empathetic, too. Don't be afraid to think about, to be ambitious. To think about how we can be better peoples, be better species, be a better world. Don't be afraid to hope. And also don't be afraid to be angry. (laughs) Don't be afraid to meld those two things together. Or any other feelings of sadness and despondence. Along with hope and restlessness. To, you know, shake yourself up or shake other people up to do something because there's always more we can do don't be too hard on yourself you can't do all of it yourself you can't you know you won't solve all this yourself we might not even solve this in our generation even though I think we should do as best we can to try even though that's probably unlikely but still (laughs) alright the attempt to do so I think it's it's going to be what it takes to create radical change but don't be afraid to try don't be afraid to fail it may be harder than you think to walk outside or to talk to people that's okay just keep trying you'll get there you'll find an opportunity and then take it and if you miss the opportunity keep trying find another one alright you'll have as many tries and as many attempts as you can And uh, as long as you're alive, (laughs) you have another try. So keep trying. Be easy on yourself. And, uh, yeah. Love you. Love yourself. But, yeah. (laughs) Let me shut up. (laughs) Uh, As always, thanks. Have a great day. See you. (laughs) Bye-bye.